Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Yeah, that should do us. Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to Frank Reviews, a father-son podcast expedition through pop culture. I am Harrison the Sun. And I'm the other guy. Right into the mic. I'm the other How, guy. We've been doing this for a couple episodes now. Shut Come the, on. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm the other guy. The other guy. Uh, that's Frank, uh, my dad. And uh, this week, well, first things first. So, one, uh, uh, you're furiously, like, white-knuckling the uh, sides of your uh, armchair there um, in an effort not to play with a mic stand. I did immediately after recording the last episode place an order for fidget spinners fidget spinners you. uh so you'll only hear like little twiddling but of course because uh uh everything's shipping is up in the air right now uh they will not get here for another week and a half so okay. we're waiting on that uh but you will have a lovely That's... selection of colors to play with uh that I'm looking forward to but this week we uh, delved into our dystopian miniseries uh, with the 1968 classic, the original Planet of the Apes. Yes. Dad, go. Um, I <laughs> Watching it, it was kind of, there were goofy and dopey parts. There was, <clears throat> there's a lot with, with the plot and the writing and stuff that's kind of funny. But um, over, I guess we saw it Sunday and this being Wednesday. Yeah. Um, after thinking about it for a few days, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was, okay. it was a good, it was good, easy, simple story, nothing, uh, uh, complicated, nothing too weird. Well, I guess if you come back to earth and there are apes running wow. the earth, that's a yeah. little weird, but, um, it was a simple, easy story. Uh, <clears throat> Charlton Heston, he's kind of a butt. Uh, especially because of his, well, he's, I think he's dead now, so. He's, he's aggressively dead now, yeah. yes. I mean, we, we can definitively say from his cold, dead hands. Yes. That's. He, uh, he was, uh, a, a, a big, uh, um, supporter of the NRA, Ugh. which, uh, kind of spoils it for me, but, um, he was an interesting, very dramatic actor. Everything had to be intensely, dra- intensely oh dramatic. God. I, I am gonna have you do some line readings of some Charlton Heston lines before we're uh, we're done okay. recording today, and uh, I almost everything he says throughout the movie is delivered with gr- almost gritted. Yes, gritted. Get your damn gritted. hands off, yes. me, paws off me, you damn dirty apes. Yes, it's <clears throat> like it's it, it's almost like just. Yeah, he was like really working on a jawbreaker yeah. that he couldn't he, uh, couldn't couldn't break through. Yeah, he's quite hyped up. Uh, oh, man, you know, rather than being uh, um, maybe cordial, compassionate, uh, <laughs> uh, conciliatory, he was just right out there uh, <clears throat> uh, leaking testosterone from oh my god from every yeah. orifice, just just aggressively firing on all cylinders. Yes. yes. Um, now. When we first started watching the movie, you were kind of blown away uh, because you asked when the movie came out, and when I said 1968, that like seemed to really hit you. For some, <coughs> like, we, some we've reason. done movies from like yeah, 
Well, at 60, I mean, the 60s is pretty far back. Um, for some reason, I guess I thought it was the 70s, like 78 or something like that. Well, now that's, it's possible. Uh, I was, I was on Wikipedia like I am right now. So this movie came out in 68, but then it was followed by four sequels that came out in 1970, 1971, 1972, 1973. Oh my God. So they just fired them out. Yeah. And okay. then of course there's. Uh, the uh, much maligned Tim Burton remake from 2001, and then a more recent prequel series, you'd want to call it, from 2011 to 2017. Uh, But all of the apes in that are motion capture. It's not a makeup job. In fact, the lead ape is played by Andy Serkis, who played Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. And then I guess he just loves apes. He also played King Kong in the 2005 King Kong. What do you mean motion capture? Uh, so if you've ever seen a lot of behind-the-scenes footage of movies, like um, you'll see a person in like a, a spandex jumpsuit covered in like basically ping-pong balls. Yeah. So they are giving a live performance on set, but then a creature is uh, in post photoshopped over top of that. Okay. So you're getting a real genuine performance out of the actor, okay. but it's obviously, you know, then they're playing an ape or a dragon okay. or okay. a golem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't, but, um, doesn't look like claymation. No, but uh, I really loved the, um, the the makeup effects in this 1968 version of the movie. The only time it really, uh, I'm not wording it right, the only time it really threw me for a loop, so to speak, was when you would get a shot looking almost right down the barrel of an ape's mouth, and you're wondering why they have two sets of teeth like a shark's mouth. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> I, ah. didn't, I didn't notice that. That's it. It's uh, maybe I was looking for it, but um, okay. I quite enjoyed the makeup effects. It was, it was. I'm pretty sure it won like an Academy Award or something for makeup design. I, I, yeah, I think that. Think. The costumes. Oh, oh, you've cut out. You've cut out. Hang on. It's a madhouse. It's a madhouse! Madhouse! Not sure what happened. I guess we bumped a wire. I didn't plug it in firmly enough. Whatever. Move it. What were we even talking about? Uh, the, 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 the makeup? makeup the costume. Yeah. You were saying um, that there was an, possibly an Academy Award. Let me double check on that. that um, <laughs> um, I thought, well, the costumes, the, the makeup, etc., costumes, whatever, I mean, they're good, but it always bothered me. Okay. Even when I originally saw it. Yeah, like. That, uh, that um, the facial features didn't, they were stiff. And some of the, particularly some of the characters, they didn't move well. Yeah. And the, the mouths didn't move well. Um, particularly when. Uh, the two Cornelius and what's the? <laughs> I know exactly what other, you're going to say. Uh, Cornelius and um, you call, you call son of a gun. Uh, now I'm totally blanking on her name. Uh, Cornelius, Doctor Zas Zira, Doctor right. Zira, mm-hmm. the lead uh, lady yeah. chimp. When they would kiss, they were just bumping their rubber faces. Literally, just smashing their if muscles you, together. If you can picture any. YouTube, Facebook, encounters with any of the apes, chimpanzees, and so forth. 
they have tremendously animated faces and lips and oh absolutely and, yeah and tongues and teeth and jaws and stuff and it was just uh, um now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for flaws. And well, stuff, it's but. one of those things also where you have to put the qualifier, like they were tremendous makeup jobs for the time, for 1968. <laughs> and uh, the three lead apes, Dr. Zaius, Zira, and Cornelius, all had much more um, uh, uh, detailed facial work. Right. Like, it was the the the... the the plasticine uh, uh, rubber mask was much thinner around the eyes and around the mouth so that it could be more animated and more expressive. But then most of the background apes had much less, like, just basic rubber masks. Yeah. Um, but that, that was just kind of comical where they <laughs> bump rubber lips together. <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a kiss. It was... I mean, nothing that you would envision it, as a kiss. It was enough to communicate the idea of a kiss, so it like translated on the screen. But yeah, yeah it, oh, look, it they're kissing. Well. Yeah, it it from the modern standpoint, it was very, very ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to ask: When did you do you remember seeing this originally? Like when when did you see this for oh, the first God, time? What were the circumstances? Late, uh, I guess I I didn't see it in the theater, so. Uh, late sixties, early seventies, or something. I okay, don't, I don't so it was probably like a TV, yeah, movie or something yeah. for you, yeah. yeah, something like that. Fair enough. Um, so uh, we were asking a lot of questions up front because obviously, like, we know this going into the movie because it's one of those. Well, you saw it uh, 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 sometime close to its original run, at least. But it's one of those uh, huge pop culture things where everybody knows it was Earth the whole time, the right. Statue of Liberty ending. Right. It's kind of like it's the box art uh, a lot of times on the Blu-ray okay. sets. Like, come on, don't do that. Yeah. That's come on. Um, they uh, they think they're in some <clears throat> far, far, far away galaxy on I, I, some unnamed planet. I think they say like it's somewhere close to the belt of Orion or something yeah, like, like that. X amount of uh, hundreds of light years away or yeah. whatever. Keep in mind, a light year is the amount of <laughs> distance that light will travel in one year. It right, exactly. About eight minutes for the sun's light to reach us. Oh, so man, yeah. There's, an, there's a, a, a little science fact where you people didn't pay attention <laughs> in science. Fiction. Well, yeah, no, I, it, it's going back to, like, the um, the oxygen destroyer oh, yeah. in Godzilla. <laughs> uh, the it, it, it does, this movie does approach... The concepts, I think, from a very solid standpoint, but then they get the numbers weirdly wrong. So we are to believe, given all of the information we're given in the movie, we are to believe that uh, these three, originally four astronauts, were sent into space and started traveling at close to light speed in 1972. Okay. And when they wake up a year and a half later in their time... It's been 2,006 years yeah, in so actual time. And uh, so, first off, they're in some sort of suspended hibernation, hypersleep right. sort of thing. And they've all grown beards in that time. Right. We'll, we'll circle back to, to that in a minute. but uh, uh, Well, to this, really. But the one female astronaut, their, their tube has broken in that year and a half and they have turned into a horrifying mummy person right they, uh, in then so yeah, they died once yeah ago. did they 
They just kind of mummified. Yeah, uh, but uh, we are to believe that in that span of 2006 years, that mankind has destroyed itself via presumably nuclear warfare. And in that 2,000 years, an entire society of intelligent apes has arisen and developed a full culture and come across the idea of uh, delving into experimental brain surgery and also putting forth they're in the um they're in the scopes monkey trial phase of development where they're still coming across the idea of like evolution (laughs) apes did not evolve from man what is this heresy yeah uh so I, i wasn't sure how you like that um like Dr. Zayas was both the head scientist and the chief defender of the faith. Yes, that was curious. I mean, it's like it's like the Pope is uh, head of the uh, World Health Organization or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the word I think the word evolution was was saying the word evolution or considering it was heresy or something. Like that. Oh yeah, <clears throat> they had some lawgiver. I, I they didn't go into that much. There was a lawgiver that gave them their uh, like doctrine or the yeah, like faith or something. That, and we don't know who the lawgiver was. One of my favorite aspects about movies like this, like my favorite examples are like Star Wars, where you hear like there's the seed of an idea that there's a bigger universe out there. Like in the first Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi offhandedly says, yes, we fought together in the Clone Wars. And you get no explanation right. as to what the hell a Clone War right. is. Um, and as the movies uh, illustrated, you don't want to see the Clone Wars. It's terrible. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, the idea that uh, some 1,200 years ago, a ape known at only as the Lawgiver set forth these scriptures that all of the apes yeah. follow, like, dogmatically. Yes. Um, and they recite them as 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 biblical verse yeah, which, uh, from which, scrolls. Yeah, it, it appeared to be their their written, um, <laughs> um, you know, doctrine. Their yeah, their Bible. Yeah, so to speak. And uh, uh, we do see a pretty broad swath of ape culture. We see a uh, a funeral. Uh, we yeah. see, I guess, because it's supposedly, I didn't think about this until just now, I guess it's set in a kind of university, so they have like a museum, they have an experimental laboratory, medical wing, there's talk of like how this human should be put in a public zoo, so yeah, they have zoos and everything too, so sure, yeah, we only see we only see one very small aspect of this ape culture but we know, thanks to some of the dialogue, there's a full world out there um, all set within the Flintstones. Oh my God! Setting that set that design. The uh, set design. Uh, it was all stone carved uh, homes and buildings and structures, and it looked just like the Flintstones set. And I want to say they probably did crib from the Flintstones because Flintstones premiered like four or five years earlier than that. Fine. I want to say, Fine. yeah. Um, there was a you know, they're, they're doing they're doing advanced brain surgery, but they live in stone houses, <laughs> um, um, you know, with with no doors or windows or anything. Uh, oh, no. Well, they did have some doors that look like big fake plastic. Things. Yeah, they've developed cigars. Uh, I did love the shots of the uh, the the one the prison guard just happily smoking a cigar. Yes. 
yeah. uh, before Taylor is broken out of prison. Yes. Uh, they have pens and paper, uh, but they're still like using scrolls yes. instead of books or anything yeah. like that. They've mapped out the full regions. Um, I do want to say they do show a shot of a map when they're trying to determine where Taylor landed or the, his ship crash landed. Um, and if you compare that drawing to modern day uh, uh, Manhattan and its surrounding areas, you can kind of lay out where everything is okay. on there. Despite I, that was actually a conversation we had uh, during the movie. Great start up to the movie. They're in the spaceship. <laughs> the three other astronauts. Oh, I love this so much. Yeah. animation. Charlton Heston is recording his final notes. Uh, for someone to listen to sometime, and he injects himself with something to get him to go to sleep. Uh, meanwhile, he pulls out the stub of a cigar. He's in a spaceship, uh, who knows how many light years from who knows where, and he's puffing on a cigar. Uh, and then he goes to climb into his uh, little suspended animation tube thing. So he, I guess he apparently snuffed out the cigar and he's dropped just- it. Drops it in his pocket. His breast pocket. He, yes. he just zipped, he jams it in there and zips it up. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, what now? Wasn't he smoking it on, on the planet? Yeah. And then he on? pulls out the, the cigar later when they're, uh, struggling through the forbidden zone. Yes. And he just, he, he turns down a drink of water and then pulls out a pulls cigar. Out a cigar that's, oh, God. Yeah. That's, that may have been, you know, maybe he wrote that, he, he demanded that in his contract. Well, I gotta be able to smoke a cigar <laughs> during the movie. Okay, fine. It's, it's like every interview you see with him, Arnold Schwarzenegger is smoking the yes. world's biggest cigar. Yes. Uh, yes. yeah. Um, but I did want to mention, because smoking I, a cigar on a spaceship. Well, yeah. yeah. So we were at the height of the space race at this point, and we were still a year away from landing, landing on the moon at this point. So I, I guess I don't, like I I don't know how much you'd be able to speak to this, but like, uh, was information like smoking in space will set everything on fire? Was stuff like that kept from the public? Uh, I I don't know how much insight you have to that. There was there was the concept of all these capsules and uh, well, they were capsules at that time, the yeah. Apollo capsule, Gemini, and Mercury capsules, and so forth. But they were. When you saw the guys getting into them and, and the uh, crew helping them and assisting them, everybody had hair nets and full protective suits and so forth so that you wouldn't even get an eyelash into the system or something. It was all it's spotless the, the, and, and, and um, purified and everything. There's no way in the world you'd be smoking a cigar. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, you're, every, everything was so... So clean and, and sterile. Right, yeah. Essentially, I, for, for, because they didn't want to screw up their space travel. I was reading an article, uh, like completely unrelated, um, with, uh, uh, I want to say it was Neil Armstrong a few weeks ago, and they were kept in uh, a quarantine containment capsule. Basically, looked like a big 
old classic steel plated RV for 30 days after they got back from the moon. Mm -hmm. And he was saying in the interview, it's like they didn't know what pathogens could come from the moon, not realizing that it was a completely sterile surface. But he was saying during the course of the the 30 days they were in there, uh, they realized that there was a crack in the floor that ants were coming in and out of. (laughs) Like, oh, so... well, all right, whatever. They were uh, sterile ants. Yeah, yeah they sure. Have little spacesuits. Yeah, little tiny, tiny spacesuits. Yeah, uh, I did want to mention this. So uh, this film was shot in uh, the desert around Page, Glen Canyon, and Lake Powell in northern Arizona. Um, so all of the Forbidden Zone stuff with the canyons yes. and the rivers and stuff. Now you were actually there. Yeah, I was uh, Lake Powell. Uh, it's a giant reservoir lake in mm-hmm. Page, Arizona. It's in the northwest corner of Arizona. Beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Anybody's ever been to the southwest? Beautiful, beautiful. Very, very nice. But you go to the lake, and like here in the east, you know, it's all forested, and uh, you have to go through the forests, and then you see the lake and the mountains all forested all around it. But there, it's just all rock. Mm-hmm. And all just barren. Rock and rock and rock, stone, rock, rock, all barren with this monstrous pristine lake right yeah um, and little very little vegetation at all right now those those first few shots especially like the overhead helicopter shots of the uh, spaceship sinking into the lake I, I saw this movie for the first time myself only a few weeks ago and i was just blown away like nobody told me this movie was gorgeous yeah yeah that your cell phone going off? Yeah, cell phone. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, uh, we'll call this fair use copyright law. Um, but uh, I, I was just my immediate reaction was like, this is stunning. They yeah. actually dropped a fake spaceship into the middle of the lake. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's still there, but uh, uh, hopefully they cleaned it up after they were done. Uh, it is a, a, a beautiful area, of course. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And they, they used it to wonderful effect in the uh, in the movie. Uh, it really does seem like the, the surface of another world. So, um, with the four astronauts, mm-hmm. what was the point of having... Having the the woman and what oh, and God. like now, she appears now that's all that's, you see is uh, her sleeping in her tube and then she's a mummy and that was the extent of her appearance in the movie. Uh, I think that, they mentioned she's oh you know, boy yeah Charlton Heston apparently he liked the ladies because he grabbed one of the uh, humans uh, as his. Girl toy. Yeah, the 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 second or third build. Uh, I want to say she's like third or fourth build. Um, uh, uh, Nova is the character's name. Right. Okay. And uh, oh, you're talking about Charlton Heston's. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, no, so, uh, the listing is, uh, Charlton Heston as George Taylor, Roddy McDowell as Cornelius, Kim Hunter Zira, Maurice Evans as Dr. Zayas. Uh, James Whitmore has, yeah, she's like seventh down after, uh, two of the apes that have less screen time than she does. Uh, uh, Linda Harrison is her name. But but what was the point of having her? The, uh, good. Now they could have put a man in there. They could have put a woman in there, but like, why, why was it? The woman died. We're going to get into some 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 nerd territory here, as if we already weren't. Uh, but then it's going to be a backdoor into the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, 
So the most exposure that I've had to this movie series has been via uh, my favorite comedian, Dana Gould, who grew up, who was born in the early 60s, and like he saw Planet of the Apes for the first time, and that took over his brain. And he does all these... You can go onto YouTube. I'd drop a clip in here, but it's all visual. It does not translate if it was just pure audio. He is such a huge fan. He now does public speaking engagements as Dr. Zayas. It's the single great. He, so if, if uh, I was poking around last night, but he, they did a 50th anniversary screening a few years back. Uh, for this, and he interrupted the talk with the filmmakers and a bunch of fans as Dr. Zayas and oh. took questions. And um, my my favorite was he did uh, for the in the final hours of the Kickstarter to bring back Mystery Science Theater three thousand a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, he's friends with Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater. So in the final hours of that Kickstarter, they bring out Dana Gould as Dr. Zayas, as William Shatner, reading, doing a dramatic reading of, I want to say, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. So it's like, it's an inception four layers deep, and it's wonderful. But Dana Gould also has the terrific point, um... Charlton Heston, George Taylor in the movie says, yes, yes, this the woman was to be our new Eve with our hot and eager help. And Dana Gould makes the point, I'm sure she thought she was the botanist. Yes. It's like, that is buck wild gross, even for like, by like 1968 standards, yeah, I, I mean, think. It's, it's like, it's like they, they take a woman to make sure that they have a woman. Yeah. You know? it just like, how, what? Uh, that that's well in in today's concept, you know, that's just uh, pathetic to think that way. Um, but I guess in '68, I, I sure. Yeah, but it, it wasn't really hidden. Yes, yeah. It, the um, like I was saying earlier, they like they they got the vague idea correct, but their math was horribly off. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of this stuff. Um, but that actually leads me into uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about. So Danny Gould, my favorite comedian, who plays, for fun, Dr. Zayas, he was tapped uh, a few years ago to adapt the original Rod Serling screenplay of The Planet of the Apes into a comic book that I gave you right. uh, to read before we, right. we, we watched the movie. And... Uh, I, it didn't occur to me until he laid it out. Yeah, Planet of the Apes really is just an extended Twilight Zone episode. It really does play with a lot of these big social ideas about. Uh, you could have um, put it. You could have said Twilight Zone's Planet of the Apes. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly fit. Um, but the original conceit that he wrote, that is illustrated out in the comic. Uh, there's very little change plot-wise. Um, the characters' names are changed, weirdly enough. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, but the original conceit was that the ape planet is a then, well, modern, you know, 1968 modern, 
uh, Planet of the Apes, where it's a modern New York City, where right. they're all wearing suits and fedoras and catching buses around yeah. town and going to the opera. Unlike, yeah, unlike the Flintstones. Uh, well, I mean, budgetary reasons. You kind of understand why they made that change. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the bones of the story are all there. Uh, okay. uh, Taylor getting shot in the throat so he can't yeah. speak. Uh, I will say... And Dana Gould even makes a point of it uh, uh, in the afterword of the book. In the uh, original screenplay in the comic book, his first words are, as he's being carted away to be uh, gelded, I forget if it was to be gelded or to have uh, experimental brain surgery. Brain surgery yeah. in the comic book. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, his first words as he's struggling out of his bonds are just, no. Yeah. And that shocks all of the apes. Yeah. And in the movie, it's get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty apes. Yeah. A much more dramatic and uh much and, more and, and very much. Yeah. Uh but uh if you can if you can get it, I very much recommend Planet of the Apes Visionaries by Rod Serling and Dana Gould. Uh, and the name of the comic book artist who is also credited that I am totally spacing on, but is absolutely an excellent read. Gorgeous artwork. Fantastic. Dad, did you have any thoughts about Planet of the Apes to close us out? Anything that you wanted to mention? Uh, fun, <clears throat> fun movie. Uh, Charlton Heston, overdramatic, as always. Well, uh, yeah. It was uh, a relatively sexist view. <laughs> um where he he takes his uh his his dumb mute. literally mute 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 um, yeah um woman off with him and she she obviously has a, a tremendous uh, attachment to him and love for him and so forth um and but it was a fun movie entertaining all right well maybe eventually we'll dive into the sequels uh, which, from what I can tell, are all kind of, pardon me, all kind of horrific uh, and incredibly depressing in their outlook on the future of humanity. Uh, but there's a... Uh, uh, yeah, oh, no, one. okay, yeah. Uh, um, evolution <laughs> does not take 2,000 years. Yeah. Evolution takes millions upon millions of years. Um, apes, and first of all, uh, humans did not evolve from apes. We evolved parallel along from a similar <coughs> quadruped weasel-like creature um, and for apes to evolve from whatever, from humans or to continue their own evolution in 2,000 years to that uh, would be um, impossible as far as um, normal biology. Fair enough. Well put. Uh, do you happen to know the name of that common ancestor quadruped? No, I do not. No, we're just going to name him Steve. There you go. There you go. Uh, but there's a uh, and I love I I love sequel naming conventions. One of my favorites is the Die Hard series. It's like Die Hard Two, Die Harder, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So pl it's Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and then eventually you get into Rise of, Dawn of, War for. It's like come on, just. Let's name all movies like that. Yeah, really. Battle for the Star Wars. Rise of the Star Wars. It's just the Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Next to the Star Wars. Uh, Star, Star Wars adjacent. Yeah. Uh, but that takes us into... Uh, I, I, when I pitched this idea of doing a series on dystopias befitting of our current 
real world landscape. Uh, I realized that starting off with Planet of the Apes was probably the most depressing and (laughs) dour choice to possibly make. So I like the idea, I'm going to pitch this to you now, of bouncing back and forth between these dour dystopias and more upbeat, positive, optimistic dystopian futures. So I think the next one we should do, uh, and I think the world needs this right now, is to actually see the world end in The World's End from 2013, directed by Edgar Wright, the the, uh, bar-hopping masterpiece. Uh, Never seen it, so I'm interested. I'm, I'm at least 100% sure you've seen it. Maybe, but maybe but considering... Parts of it or something, but, I don't but yeah, again, that's how we each approach, uh, approach pop culture. I obsess over every detail, and you're just like in and out yeah. uh, uh, of it. But uh, I thought after that, maybe we'll get into the uh, at least the two first movies, because I've not seen any of the sequels after that. The Terminators, the Terminator... Uh, Maybe we'll get Queso on the line for that, have him Skype in distantly. But um, any closing thoughts if you want to take us out? No. Fun, fun, interesting movie. Uh, Nice uh, scenery. Um, um, Curious uh, some of the flawed science, which I always pick up right away, but uh, entertaining. And uh, Charles Heston, you know, you got to expect him to be. Oh, he's a he's a ham sandwich and a half. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Ham. Well, on 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 that side of ham, I guess ham and chips, ham and cheese. You can find us online, uh, Muscle Nerd Studios on Facebook. I'm H D L I C H D N E R on Twitter. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. And Dad, if you want to take us out, you know, beautiful day out there. You really should be doing something with your life. Instead of uh, thinking that you're doing something while you're doing this, because, well, are you really? So go out there and do something with your life. Uh, make it great. Uh, go cure uh, the Rona or something like that in your spare time. Uh, and the, we are broadcasting, as always, from deep within the bowels of the dog kennel studio in the suburbs of Langhorne, Pennsylvania, USA. We should. <laughs> it was Earth the whole time! They blew it up! God damn you! Damn you all to hell!